This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. For a long time, housework is rarely seen as real work, but it is part of the burden of unpaid care work that is often shouldered by women. So with the passing of the Housewives Social Security Bill in Parliament recently, we want to take a look at how this move values housework, you know, with the presumed value of 600 ringgit monthly income of housewives noted in the bill, and have a broader discussion on why putting a value to housework benefits both women and men in our goal towards gender equality. And I'm doing that today with Kieran Kaur, Advocacy Officer at the Women's Aid Organisation, or commonly known as WA. Oh, thank you so much for joining me today, Kiran. Hi, Suan. Thank you so much for having me. Kiran, how would you describe what housework is, right? And while it is often seen as unpaid work, why is it important for us to view it as work? Okay, well, um, to start off, I think housework constitutes many aspects, which I think the connotations that are currently associated with the term do not adequately capture. Mm-hmm. So similar to other more um, typical jobs that are viewed as work, there's so many different forms and responsibilities associated with housework. And this may include things like routine housework, like dusting surfaces, cleaning and sweeping floors, for instance. And it may also spend caring for household members, cooking daily meals at home, and so on. So all these are aspects of housework. And not only that, but um, housework can be around-the-clock job. Um, for example, there's not only a fixed set of hours in the day for meals to be prepared, you know, like um, most of us eat a minimum of three meals a day, spending up until nighttime. And also, you know, the needs of dependents of household members will not only arise within a specific time frame within the day. Um, and unless, you know, someone else takes on the chores of the day completely, you never really get a day off from housework. So taking all that into consideration, frankly, Uh, Looking at the extent of housework, I think it's quite unfair not to view it as work or not to value it to the same extent that we do with other work or like other more professional jobs. So regarding housework as work, just tying it back to your question, it may also play a part in ensuring that these responsibilities are not looked at as duties of a specific gender, which is often women, but rather looked at as living skills or work in a gender neutral sense and part and puzzle of living in a home or within a family. And regarding it as such would help distance it from being termed duties that are associated with women more often than not. Mm. So Kiran, would you say that I guess at least Malaysian society often views housework as something that falls on the shoulders of women? Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, gender roles do play a part in in terms of a lot of society still regarding housework, a women's you know, something that women have to solder. So plainly, even though housework, even though it's not inherently gendered, mm-hmm. it is traditionally seen as a women's job because of the influence of the patriarchy, of course, which materializes in gender inequalities, such as gender roles that we often see not only in Malaysia, but in other countries and societies as well. Um, and this results in perceptions and attitudes that um, reinforce housework being gendered um, in you know, across households. Mm. So traditionally, um, housework may be seen as more feminine and professional work or being a breadwinner may be seen as more masculine, which I think is in itself inaccurate. 
And because gender roles tell us that, you know, femininity is exclusive to women and masculinity is exclusive to men, this in turn influences how gender roles and the work that is associated with it is delegated, which we see materializing in terms of, you know, housework. And because it is dictated that, you know, femininity might be less valued or seen as less than as compared to masculinity in some contexts, this in turn makes housework looked at as more undervalued and not as recognized as work, as the work that it should be recognized, you know. And um, as compared to professional work, it is not regarded as work and it's regarded as undervalued. So that contributes to it not being realized um, to the extent that it should be. And it also contributes to the economic impact of such work still not being adequately realized in that, you know, there is an economic um, contribution that housework has on, you know, the national economy and so on. But um, things like this make it hard for that to be realized and hard for people to understand that that is, you know, an economic value associated with housework. Could you paint a picture of how skewed that burden of housework is mm. between genders? Okay, I'll start off by quoting a few statistics that I think captures this really well. Mm -hmm. So as cited by the Ministry of Women uh, before the pandemic, women took on three times as much care work as compared to men. And this was before the pandemic. Um, moreover, according to Kazana Research Institute, uh, KRI, in general, women spend more than twice as much time than men on indirect care work, which includes cooking and cleaning. And M40 women spend 144% more time on unpaid care work than employee men. So these are just a few examples that might illustrate, you know, the comparison between the burden of care work on women's shoulders as compared to um, men's obligation to taking it on. Um, so this disparity is what is referred to as the unequal burden of care work. And despite, you know, having a capable partner to take on some of the house chores as well, this disproportionately falls onto women's shoulders more often than not. And this was definitely very much exacerbated during the course of the pandemic, what the two years where we faced numerous lockdowns. So during the pandemic, of course, this had further increased and deeply entrenched gender roles made women have more of an obligation to prioritize housework and caretaking responsibilities. And this had a direct implication on their reduced workforce participation, um, which I think I'll get into later. Mm -hmm. um, this, and I think this burden is especially exacerbated for single mothers in particular because they don't have a partner who is um, capable of taking on some of the housework um, with them. And they have to take on the double burden of being the sole breadwinner and also the primary caregiver on their own. And if I may add, like even within housework, mm -hmm. um, even within, you know, a nuclear family, if both partners do take on housework um, within an opposite gender relationship, for instance, there is often a skewed distribution. For instance, um, when you think about it, you realize that sometimes when men do housework, this tends to be more outdoor chores, while women may take on like more indoor chores. I'm not saying that this is how it always is, but it, it, it is a trend that um, we observe quite frequently. So with women left to do more indoor chores, we start to wonder, you know, like, why is this the case? And in some cases, this may tie back to gender roles, where taking care of children's needs, cooking, laundry, and so on, which are indoor forms of care work, are seen as more feminine and automatically then conferred onto women. 
So meanwhile, outdoor forms of household chores such as washing cars, mowing lawns, and so on are more often associated with masculinity mm-hmm. and therefore conferred onto men. So that might help us, you know, break down why why that is such a skewed distribution, even even when housework is divided between a two partners, mm. you know. And I think uh, despite these connotations and associations, we must remember that regardless of the form of housework, it is not inherently bended. And it is ascribed these connotations because of the meanings that we have constructed around them in line with these rules and inequalities. Mm. And... Um, What's more is that, you know, this this form of housework that men tend to take on, which I mentioned earlier, um, are not as frequently occurring as other forms of housework which women tend to take on. For instance, you may need to wash a car or mow a lawn once a week, you know, but cooking, caring for your children and cleaning occurs every single day and more often than not round the clock, you know. So even within how housework is delegated within a family, um, even if it is delegated, it can be unbalanced and it can be skewed and it can contribute to women's burden of care work and have a disproportionate impact on women. Mm. So there are a lot of different factors to take into account even when we look at what constitutes care work, right? The type of work, mm. the amount of effort that goes into it, um, how the frequency of when it's mm. needed. And, and yeah. I guess also I'm thinking there's also the emotional aspect of it, right? Because when you talk about certain things like childcare, that is a lot more emotionally taxing exactly. than, yeah. than other household chores. Yeah. I would, I, would, I would definitely imagine so. Like, um, and that ties back to what I mentioned earlier about housework just in itself having having the responsibilities of so many different roles being conferred onto your shoulders, like taking care of children's emotions. It's like, you know, you need to be an in-house counselor. At the same time, you need to be a staff. And at the same time, you need to be, a, you know, make, make sure the house is clean. Mm-hmm. So all these different roles. And you need to imagine being like the person who has to manage all these things at the same time. So that can definitely have a disproportionate impact on women and their economic participation in the long term, which I think uh, we'll go into a bit more later. And, you know, we will definitely get into that after a quick break. I'm speaking today to Kieran Kaur, Advocacy Officer with Women's Aid Organisation, about how we value housework following the passing of the Housewives Social Security Bill, which puts a presumed value of 600 ringgit monthly income for housewives. We'll be right back after a few messages on Love & Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su Ann. On the show with me today is Kieran Kaur, Advocacy Officer with the Women's Aid Organisation to discuss how we value housework. So before the break, you know, we've been discussing about the different aspects to housework and how um, housework itself isn't inherently gendered, but we traditionally see it as a woman's job because of the gender stereotypes that we place upon it, that we have within society um, and our cultures. Now, Kieran, you also alluded to the impact of women shouldering this double burden of um, their day jobs and the unpaid care work that they have to do, um, how all that could impact their participation within the economy. Could you elaborate more on that? You know, what consequences are we seeing from this? Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, if there's this continued expectation for women to continue bear this disproportionate burden of care work, one of the most prominent negative impacts is indeed uh, women's um, workforce participation. Um, so, for example, just to paint a picture, 
uh, during the pandemic, where the burden of care was very much exacerbated, the number of employed women in Malaysia fell by 2.5%, which is equivalent to about 148,000 women. While comparatively, the number of employed men fell by 0.5%, which is equivalent to 68,000 men, based on estimates by ICE Malaysia. So also another um, statistic which I think paints a very good picture of this is according to the World Bank, for instance, mm-hmm. in 2018, 60.2% of women cited housework, including caring for children, as the main reason for not seeking work, while only 3.6% of men cited the same reason. So this impact that you know care work has on women's economic participation is because they're expected to solder this care work at such a disproportionate rate. And to cope with the burden, women often either stop working altogether and drop out of the formal economy, um, or they are more, more motivated to choose more precarious informal work because of the flexibility that these types of jobs offer, which help them balance these care work obligations with their work obligations. Um, so this year, in light of more recent statistics, um, Dawson had actually reported that the female workforce participation had increased slightly uh, by 0.3%. And this statistic reflects both women's participation in formal and in informal sectors. But at the same time, we need to look at this um, in light of what we already know, which is that women's formal employment curves or patterns of employment significantly differ from men's. And in Malaysia specifically, um, once women drop out from formal sectors, they are unlikely to re-enter these sectors later on. Mm-hmm. So if women drop out from formal sectors during the pandemic, it is more likely than not that the marginal increase that in women's labor force participation that we are seeing is in the informal sector due to the various barriers of formal workforce re-entry that are still very pervasive. And this, in turn, points towards the need for more targeted and responsive allocations and policies and programs that empower women, such as through equipping them with marketable skills that they may need to rejoin the workforce, therefore reducing their barriers to entry. And uh, just to, you know, um, set a bit more light on this, these are actually areas in in regards to gender-responsive budgeting that um, Women's Aid Organization, WAO, explores in our 2023 budget memorandum mm-hmm. um, for more gender-responsive spending decisions in 2023, which will be available on our website later this year. Mm. So if we bring the idea of valuing housework into this discussion, right, about helping yeah. women stay in the workforce or rejoin the workforce, um, you know, if we put a value on housework, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is an employer per se to pay that, right? So in, in that discussion of, you know, wanting to achieve better gender equality in the workforce, why is it important for us to value housework? Okay, well, I want to tie this back to, you know, the value that was conferred onto housework, which is, you know, the 600 ringgit a month figure, mm-hmm. which was sort of all over the media a while ago. Just um, setting some light onto this, I do think that, you know, this figure in particular is majorly undervaluing housework. As, you know, according to this figure, care work or housework, which, as we've covered earlier, comprises so many different roles, so many different responsibilities across different realms. Um, this means that, you know, the 600 ringgit figure would value it at 20 ringgit a day, mm-hmm. which is currently less than Malaysia's minimum wage of 1,500 ringgit monthly. Um, so considering that, you know, 
the numerous responsibilities that you know women often have to shoulder. Um, this is definitely incredibly undervaluing it, and um, this is also um, shown in terms of a um, recent analysis that was actually conducted within the Bangladesh community. Mm-hmm. If you were to monetize just the very basic forms of household chores by taking you know the average salary of the roles of all housekeepers, cleaners, nurses, and child carers and staffs, this would translate to at least a minimum of 2,900 ringgit monthly. And this is just the minimum. But even then, this figure does not really take into consideration the extended hours that are often associated with housework and not to mention having no days off and other pertinent roles such as managing family finances, driving family members around, managing the healthcare, the emotional needs of family members, and so on. So it's really it's really important that we ascribe a value to housework, which is commensurate to all the responsibilities that mm-hmm. it constitutes. And um, I think undervaluing housework will definitely it, it's we we really need to work on that last essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in terms of um, how we can put a value to housework, I think firstly we must realize that their undertaken care work does have an economic value in contributing to the national care economy. And for instance, um, based on statistics from 2015, for instance, um, unpaid care work contributed to more than 20% of Malaysia's GDP in that year. And also in in light of more recent statistics um, from 2020, women's unpaid contributions to healthcare alone in the healthcare sector in in terms of care work in the healthcare um, area equated to 2.35% of the global GDP. Um, and this is taking in, and taking into account all the types of unpaid care work performed by women beyond the healthcare sector and also including the healthcare sector. Mm-hmm. This contribution is worth um, about 11 trillion US dollars globally, which mm-hmm. translates to RM about 49 trillion. Mm-hmm. So these figures are just, you know, how we can start to picture how much um, care work is actually worth. And of course, one way in which we can ensure that housework and women and the work that uh, women frequently undertake is valued is, of course, by what the bill is currently doing, which is extending social protection to housewives through a housewives social security scheme so that they are eligible to monetary social protection or social security benefits if accidents do, do occur in their work. Mm-hmm. So doing this, for instance, recognizes that, you know, the undertaken care work has an economic value in contributing to the national care economy. Hmm. And by putting a value to housework, it then allows the government or lawmakers to um, adequately draft policies that can support women, right, in these areas so that they can rejoin the workforce should they want to. Yeah, for sure. And that's why, you know, a gender-responsive perspective when it comes to um, budget allocations and policy decisions is so important because with the with this approach taken, you recognize the different circumstances that different segments of the community face. And currently, women often face the disproportionate burden of care work. So recognizing that, then um, more responsive policies that eliminate the barriers to entry in the formal workforce, for instance, can be instituted. 
Hmm. I want to talk about something interesting about the bill, which has been mentioned multiple times. You know, the the housewives' social security bill, as the name suggests, only mm-hmm. covers housewives, not house husbands, right? And yeah. and you know, we know this is a rarity in Malaysia, um, in many societies globally. But how did? But but why does that matter? You know, how does our gendered perception of housework then influences this framing? Yeah, so I think, yeah, that's something that I think is important to address. So while I do believe that the Housewives Social Security Bill is a good start towards recognizing the value of housework that women in Malaysia carry on a disproportionate basis, that's it. With the Housewives Social Security Bill only benefiting housewives, this may reinforce the perception that homemakers are equal to women, you know, like automatically when you think of homemakers, you think of women, Mm -hmm. which in turn may reinforce gender roles and expectations within the community that women are more obliged to take up care work um, rather than, you know, having the impact of empowering men to take up care work or promoting an equal distribution or more gender parity in terms of distributing care work. So while it does make sense for such a scheme to target women, as more often than not, you know, because of gender roles, homemakers are currently more often still women mm-hmm. in Malaysia. The scheme should still be expanded to include men or house husbands to ensure that, you know, house husbands that take on this work are adequately protected in doing so. And to also ensure that gender roles and expectations that are cast onto women are not automatically reinforced by, um, you know, the suggestions that housewives are often equal or people who take on housework are often equal to women, you know. Unfortunately, like if we reinforce gender roles in this way, it could further impact, you know, what touched on earlier in regards to women's formal workforce participation. And so I, I do think, you know, that steps really must be taken to increase awareness about the equal sharing of the burden of care work and with expanding the applicability of this bill to also include house house husbands and also just in terms of Actions of that can be taken to promote gender parity in all spheres, including the household. Hmm. So then, Kiran, where do we go from here, right? How can we break those, you know, pretty deeply entrenched um, behaviours and assumptions within society to better put a value on housework, to break the gender roles that we've assigned to housework? Yeah, I think um, one way to break the normalization of women taking on more care work is simply by having conversations about it, mm-hmm. thinking about it to um, even your, whether they are partners or your friends or just um, people in your life. And this have, having these conversations about it may play a part towards breaking the stigma that, is sometimes, that sometimes still exists around this topic. And you know, breaking the stigma and just getting people to question, like, you know, why why is it that, you know, th- these forms of care work are more often than not taken on by women? Or why is it that, you know, um, my partner doesn't take on um, these forms of care work and why am I expected to? So it may bring, you know, that attitudinal and behavioral change through conversation, which may lead to people, you know, understanding the impact that such disproportionate burdens have. or And it may lead to, you know, questioning why these roles are so entrenched within domestic settings. And, you know, communicating this with your friends or with your partners may make them want to make more positive and sustainable changes because in the long run, um, soldering this burden almost independently would have a negative impact, whether it's um, in terms of economic participation or even in terms of your mental and physical health. It would have an effect on anyone. So 
it may make, you know, people want to make more positive and more sustainable changes for the well-being of, you know, their family. Hmm. And um, I do think another um, way in which we can um, try to break the normalization of this is, of course, at policy level, where more gender-responsive governmental spending decisions and ensuring that spending decisions that take into consideration the diverse lived experiences of diverse segments of the community mm-hmm. can contribute towards breaking this behavior. So, for instance, uh, through allocating funds for targeted awareness and educational campaigns and ensuring that overall responsible messaging about welfare and the burden of care from the government um, is instituted to the public, that might be a way to go about it. And also through, you know, gender sensitivity training modules um, to ensure that, you know, there is this responsible messaging about the welfare and the burden of care um, towards the public. So that may also play a part in terms of education and awareness and also policy level reform. Hmm. What about the role of the private sector? Because a lot of women, when you join the workforce, you do join the private sector, right? What do you think Mm -hmm. employers can do? That's a good question. Um, I do think that employers... Well, a few things that employees might be able to do is, of course, um, ensure that there is flexibility when it comes to work. Because like what we talked about earlier, right, um, a lot of the time women tend to drop out from formal sectors because there is more flexibility in informal sectors. Mm-hmm. And with more flexible, with more um, policies that promote flexibility within the formal sector and with more understanding, you know, in terms from, from the part of the employer, I think this could be mitigated. And um, it could encourage women to try and, you know, try try and um, stay on within formal sectors because they feel supported. They feel that, you know, they feel that um, whatever the burden is that they're carrying or their, whatever their obligations are, they feel understood and they feel that, okay, maybe I can take this on at the same time as, you know, the other responsibilities that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another thing that I think employers could really um, worked with is not only affording these flexibilities and accommodations towards women, but also towards men. So, you know, um, for example, work, work hour flexibility. Um, when employers know that, you know, this employee has a lot of other obligations, um, they should also take into consideration that, you know, despite the employee being a man, they should, be, they should offer these uh, accommodations to the men as well. And that in turn, would promote um, more equal partnership mm-hmm. and a more equal delegation of um, of, of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So just having these policies be inclusive with men and women would really help with that, in my opinion. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kiran. Thank you so much, Suen. It was a really good talk. I've been speaking to Kiran Kaur, Advocacy Officer with Women's Aid Organisation, and we have been discussing the value we place on housework and more broadly, you know, why is that important in our efforts to achieve towards achieving gender equality. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcast on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.